Hello and welcome to Off The Shelf Reviews. I actually like Ben Kingsley in Thunderbirds. And I'm Gary. And today we're going to review and discuss Suspect Zero, which released in 2004. Written by Zach Penn and Billy Ray and directed by E. Elias Merridge. Ian, why don't you give us the synopsis? Well, the story follows Aaron Eckhart's character, Agent Thomas McElway. He's an FBI agent who has come into some evidence that somebody may be going around America killing people. Surprise. We're also following Sir Ben Kingsley, playing Benjamin O'Ryan, who seems to have a special ability to not only locate people around the country, but also hunt them down and possibly kill them. matter of opinion. So this film had uh, a bit of uh, production troubles, Ooh, dear. you could say, right from the get-go. Uh, original uh, screenwriter Zach Penn penned the script back in 1995. Oh, wow. And this was at a time when he was shipping it around to Hollywood studios and none of them were particularly interested yeah. in a, a serial killer genre movie about a serial killer hunting serial killers. And so they all passed on it, although eventually the script was purchased. Mm -hmm. uh, but then it underwent several rewrites. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At one point, Sylvester Stallone was attached to star in the role. So was Tom Cruise, uh, as well as Ben Affleck. And apparently all of those actors also had their sway in terms of altering the script. Mm, yeah. And uh, eventually those actors backed away and uh, Aaron Eckhart would, would step in for the role. Uh, but the original... Script writer Zach Penn pretty much disowned the movie Ooh. by the time it went through all of the drafts and rewrites uh, before it became something that that wasn't his own anymore. So I was like, who, who are these writers actually? Because I'm pretty sure I know their names from previous projects. Yeah. Uh, Zach Penn is actually one of the writers for Last Action Hero. Okay. And he also explained he had the exact same problem there where he wrote the script, had the idea, and the studios butchered it and ruined it Arnie compared to what he had. Yeah, Arnie would have come along and gone, nope, that's what we're doing. Yeah, but but he would also go on to be a screenwriter for X-Men 2 uh, and also the X-Men Last Stand. Yeah, you know. okay. But he was also a co-writer on Avengers Assemble and he is the writer for the new Karate Kid which is going to be coming out 2024. Oh, wow, okay. So I'm like, okay, well, you see, he's definitely got some uh, some talent, yes, obviously. Yeah, yeah, I was going to say. Yeah. Uh, but then I was like, so who was the guy that's credited with doing the, the, the rewrites yeah. This guy uh, worked on Volcano in 1997. Okay. Uh, he also worked on Terminator Dark Fate. That's it. That's it. This motherfucker did Terminator Dark Fate. Well, he did some other stuff as well, but, but I just thought that would be enough. But did he, <laughs> are you telling me he helped write or wrote? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you might then be able to discern the quality of this film, but then let's look at the director. Mm, yeah. Because this was also a director I was like, I think I know this name. And it was because this is the director of Shadow of the Vampire. Yes. Uh, the William Defoe, John Malkovich, o o Obed Kier. Yeah, I think uh, it's like it's the reenactment of um, the Nosferatu, Nosferatu movie. Absolutely. Yeah, so I was like, okay, this is an artistic director who's done some stuff, but I'm yeah. not particularly uh, aware of. So I'm kind of 
intrigued by this movie, yeah. uh, Suspect Zero, which came out in 2004 and flopped hard because the film had actually oh, yeah, finished yeah. production in 2002 and the studio delayed it and delayed it. They delayed it two years before they eventually released it. Ouch. And yeah, it flopped hard. So much so that I don't know anyone who's ever seen or heard of this film. And so when it was mentioned for this review, I was like, what? Yeah. <laughs> I, uh, I, I didn't wiki it. You know, I walked in completely surprising. I was getting my notes down and I was just like, oh, okay. It's like three movies this year you've uh, not wikied. Well, you know, people say don't wiki movies, so you don't. And then you walk blind into these fucking things. And in it's, strange times. It's like a you know more realistic feeling. I don't know if it's back up when I wiki them and I'm like, I know what I'm getting involved in then. So I'm all ready to fucking hate on it. Like, like a wiki dark fate, you know, still went and watched that and bought that fucking shit on DVD. And it, I digress, I digress. Suspect Zero, though, I was just like, okay, let's let's be good, we'll go into it blind, but then, obviously, you look, and you're like, oh, Aaron Eckhart, yeah, okay, year before, did the core, you know, he'd go on to be Two-Face, you know, not a bad actor, can bring some stuff to his character. Ben Kingsley, sir, my, my mistake, sir, Ben Kingsley, like I said, I mean, this, this motherfucker was Gandhi, you know, he was the hood in Thunderbirds, you know, sexy beast, it's a fucking classic role, so, you know, I'm like, how are these two gonna work in this movie you know i saw carrie ann moss was on the list fresh off the matrix trilogy exactly i mean we had kevin chamberlain as well who plays the commander in fucking the matrix sequel so i'm like okay so those two have a bit of a or or will i suppose while this movie was being produced they were working together to make the matrix movie so they, they've got some background with each other and then the movie kind of starts where like you're you're you're, you're kind of following this POV over some mud and you're seeing like kids toys and the missing uh, missing picture on, on an American milk carton of a kid missing. And then it comes up into a, a like a diner. You know, it's night. It's fucking raining like shit. And I'm like... Very oh. atmospheric and moody. Yeah, I'm yeah. like, all right, already, already an ominous feeling yeah. right from the opposite. Well, we also get the uh, fake jump scare, don't we, as we get the hands pressed up against the window. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a couple laughing as they're going running by. Yeah. And so we're just like, so who is this, this stranger, this this gentleman at the diner on his own in the middle of the night? <laughs> the funny thing is, I'd recognise him. He's an actor called Kevin uh, Kevin Chamberlain who plays Harold Speck, the, the character in this, and he's from Die Hard for a Vengeance. He's the uh, guy who's trying to defuse the bomb in the school oh, who really? gets the red oh, stuff wow. in his face. As soon as I saw him, I'm like, hey, it's the guy from Dark Revengeance. <laughs> <laughs> well, in this film, he's a piece of shit. But we don't know, we don't that, know that right that, away. Yeah. We don't know that right away. But so spoilers. Um, because he, he just we think he's an ordinary person sat in this diner until we see this weird camera angle. Mm. We see these feet come in. Yeah. And then the camera follows the feet as we end up following... What will be Ben Kinsley sitting down right in front of this guy, presenting him some charcoal drawings, yeah, and confronting him about this imagery, which of course is showing dead bodies or dead children's bodies, yeah. And so he reacts as you would imagine anyone would react if you were presented by a stranger with horrific imagery, yeah. And he gets up in his car and he leaves. Yeah, well, I mean, they have a bit of a, a chat, don't they, in in this booth before. Um... You know, Speck gets up and, and leaves. And yeah, like you said, he is a bit kind of thrown back by this imagery. But I like, I take it back to like the conversation in The Hitcher. Okay. You know, where, um, you know, uh, Rucker Hoyer was like the controlling evil presence in that. I didn't really get that from Kingsley in this. Like, whatever he was showing this guy, yeah, it was horrible. But my brain's already like, 
why is he showing him this? Killers don't normally do this. You know, they normally hide in the back seat, wait for you to come in, then jam well, you in the neck. I don't know. I mean, why walk we, in we've there had and like pre-warn the guy? A decade of Dexter. And that was pretty much his M.O. when he was about to take uh, one of his victims out. He presented oh, them with yeah. all of their horrific imagery. Yeah, so, yeah. I think, but the way the movie is presenting this, and I I picked it up like halfway through the movie of, oh, the movie's trying to red herring Ben Kingsley. Yeah. You know, like I said, we don't know that this spec's a piece of shit. So when he gets into his car and he's driving away, and Ben Kingsley appears and he's just like, you need to pull over because I really don't want to do this at like 70 miles per hour. You're like, oh, this, this motherfucker's dead. Look, I have money. It's not a lot. Nobody but... wants your money, Harold. Just pull in. Because I wouldn't want to do this at 70 miles an hour. And then when we come across the body, we realize that the character, Benjamin O'Ryan, fucking, you know, has cut the eyelids off of this guy's eyes. And so he's just staring. It's the weirdest makeup special effect I think <laughs> I've ever seen. Where, like, my brain's... You know, Uncanny Valley. My brain's telling me the guy's dead, but I know that the actor is still alive. So this actor is lying there with his prosthetics on his yeah. eyes closed. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Like, obviously, the, the killer has cut the eyelids off, so the eyes appear to have bulged out of their sockets slightly. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a very odd... But it's, a, it's a bit of a shocking image. You yeah, know? yeah, it is, yeah. Uh, and we do see these eyes throughout the rest of the film as during all the montages of collected evidence as it goes on but there was also the calling card you know the uh the symbol the, yes. the circle with a line through it um and then there was also some other clues that he finds in the car which would lead him back to the diner yes but we're also intercutting during this uh, back to ben kinsley who's playing benjamin orion who is in a trance like state yeah charcoaling what he's seeing with his second sight and he is literally yeah. He's literally drawing what the cameraman is filming. It's like, how did he get up there? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> but it's it's one of it's, those astral projection. They call it remote viewing. They don't do in they? this, yeah. Hypnotist. You're, you're in such a hypnotic state that you can project yourself to a place where you want to be, I suppose. Because, yeah, I don't really fully try to understand it because Aaron Eckhart is the guy who's been called in to have a look at this evidence because he's like one of the best burnt out detectives who's been chasing well, killers. He, he's been demoted down from Dallas now to Albuquerque, New Mexico and so a much smaller yeah. precinct of the FBI. So he's kind of not been fired, but we don't find out until the midpoint in the film why he's here. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, he's the one who's now on this case. And and he and when he goes out to the crime scene and he's checking out, I mean, he has that confrontation with the mechanic who goes to move the car. He's like, don't you realize you're touching evidence? And, you know, his superior is just like, whoa, I'm going to like you because you do everything by the book. And like Gary said, we're, we're then cutting back to Ben Kingsley, who's kind of in the trance listening to this radio play drawing these numbers and concentrating and then the movie's editing in these shots of the camera looking at the crime scene from above you know it's got a weird kind of pinkish color on it to tell us that he's in a trance and i i, I was sat there and i was watching the movie and i'm like like i said i didn't get the ominous feeling from kingsley as a killer and now i'm not getting an ominous feeling of why he's following the fbi agents because it's it's more like he's left clues for them to follow him more so than hiding himself from them and giving them a dead body. 
Yeah. You know what? Cause... Well, now, I, I, like, in trying to explain the the narrative flow of the film, yeah. it feels, like, to try and explain it feels a bit convoluted. Yeah, it does. Whereas it's actually pretty straightforward. Um, once you understand the whole Icarus project that the yeah. film is trying to, uh, or, or will eventually explain, which, it, it's it, it, it's a thing in the film, but they say was real, but it's not. Actually. Yeah, 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 yeah. However, or was it? Well, but there was documented, um, yeah, based on the Stargate project run by the Defense Intelligence uh, Agency, which was also adapted into a movie, uh, The Men Who Stare at Goats. Love that movie. Exactly. Love so that film movie. kind of makes fun of the fact that millions and millions of real world money was spent yeah. to develop psychics for. Well, spying, essentially. Oh, yeah, dude. They can blow your heart up from like 100 miles away, don't you it's know It's like that? scanners Yeah, stuff. tell me, bro. Um, you know, so <laughs> this film, it's just like, it, it, obviously, it, it, it's a, a, a crime a serial killer genre movie, but it also has what is it like almost a sci-fi layer, yeah. a supernatural layer, almost like an X-Files layer and it, put on top of it. And it feels like, and like I said, it went through developmental hell, that it feels like... Somebody wrote something and then went, no, that's not going to work. We'll have to put something else in. And then somebody else come along and gone, ah, oh, that's not really going to work. So we're going to edit it down. So it just gets more and more diluted. Absolutely. The film gets jumbled and it, mm. and it kind of loses a bit of direction. I would still say that the pace of the film retains itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, it gets a bit convoluted with the red herrings or the other bits and pieces that don't really matter being in there. Um, and I'm like, was that because of the revisions of the scripts where different people had different ideas that it was going to go? Because yeah. there's all these setups with no real payoffs. Um, and it's essentially following Thomas McAway figuring out who the killer is. Yeah. And, and also, inexplicably, is also capable of this second sight. Oh, yeah. That's like, I wasn't too sure if Kingsley was doing that from where he was projecting, like he, projecting to him himself or if Aaron Eckhart had always had this power and that's why he was able to hunt down like like there's a there's a a, a serial rapist I think he's called Stanley that um this is why he got demoted Eckhart had chased him all the way into Mexico beat the crap out of him dragged him back and because Mexico has no extradition or whatever you know Stanley got off or got he's just been let out and Aaron Eckhart's being demoted because, you know, they don't want the bad press. So Kingsley uses that, like, he, you know, he... He sees something in Thomas uh, that makes him like himself. Yeah, and so it's like, but he's also, he, he like, he's faxing all these missing people pages to the police station which but i wasn't actually addressed to thomas as well yeah yeah as well but I'd, like there was that bit where it was just there was hundreds of them just coming out of these these like um fax machines and i couldn't tell if that was part of a dream or if he was actually there and people were just ignoring these fucking fax machines <laughs> that were spitting out all these papers because yeah hundreds of millions of people go missing every day and so the movie tries to every tell day. you <laughs> yeah, mate. Oh, yeah, it's a big bad fucking world out there. I, I, every second, I don't fucking know how it works. But, you know, the movie tries to, in a way, say, oh, yeah, Ben Kingsley's the bad guy. And I'm like, I don't really buy that. Yeah, and that's so it. Keeps... The film language doesn't say he's the villain. It literally yeah, suggests yeah. that he's a, a man on a mission. But, but it's that big truck sequences as well. We get little flashes of this truck going round and, 
you know, Kingsley's hunting this other killer down who we really never see until the very fucking end of the movie. And even then, it's not even enough to make us go, oh, who was that guy? Exactly. So it makes the actual villain of the film pretty inconsequential to most of it. Yeah, because the whole... Uh, in, in terms, well, in terms of... Um, I guess having a strong third act, a finale, yeah, 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 it, it makes it, it weakens it in yeah. essence. Because we get a little bit of a flash in in Thomas's character where he sees himself and another figure, and the, one of the figures is knelt down in the middle of the desert, and he's got a gun in him, and there's a gun blast. So you're like, oh, what's that? Is that a is that a pass thing between him and? Orion, or is that going to happen? Because we find out well, Orion's like actually... an ex-FBI <clears throat> agent at one point. I'm like, are these guys working together? Yeah, so I was like, well, so is it like second sight astral projection where they're seeing the present? But I'm like, well, no, he's actually drawing the future. So yeah, because because he, he predicts what the, that yeah. that serial rapist is going to do to then be there to stop, which is kind of a cool sequence actually. But you know, he he stops it by breaking the window, pulls the guy out you know, fucking murders him and then tells the girl, to, you know, look away, look away. And then when uh, McElway, Aaron Eckhart's character and Carrie Ann Moss turn up, she sees the body and she tells him like, it's it's the guy you've been hunting for fucking ages. And McElway's just like, really? And that's when he twigs, hang on, our guy, the guy we've been chasing, hasn't killed this girl. And then if we look into the history of the guy at the diner and the guy that they found in the boot of the car as well, which was registered to somebody else, you know, oh, all these are serial killers, you know. Harold Speck had like a a case in his fucking attic with a girl's cut off face, a mask, a mask yeah. in it that he would know? wear, obviously. The the guy that they found in the boot of the car, he had like fucking hundreds or twenty or so fucking young boys' bodies in his fucking, you know, in his basement. And so I'm like, oh, okay, film, you caught up. Ben Kingsley's not the bad guy. Yeah, it <laughs> is frustrating because you're kind of just waiting for your characters to, to catch up with where the film language has been letting us know what's actually going on. Yeah. And then we're also following Thomas McElway's slow deterioration mm. after, as a result of having all these psychic flashes. Yeah, He's yeah. taking lots of medication to try and suppress it. Um, and so he ends up collapsing and ends up at one point going back to Fran's place. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and that was where I was just like, this whole relationship thing here is just very weird. Yeah. Where it's like, has she taken the fall with him? Uh, is she blaming him? Are they Were, I, were they married? Because they mentioned the ring. I didn't even... And I was like, I was there some get... sort of love triangle? And yeah. Like, it's so unexplained. I didn't even get that from them, that she, like, she liked him or hated him. It just felt like... I mean, Weird. Like, it maybe just be Carrie Ann Moss doing her fucking, you know, memento character all over again, where she's just kind of dull. You know, I'm not saying she's a bad actress, but she can just play, especially in this, where she's. I think she's just so wasted in this. Or, or maybe, like we said, with the rewrites, like they start off getting together with this relationship back history, and then in the next scene that they got to, you know, that's all forgotten because they've not done anything. So I think like in when the he... original original script, they were just colleagues. They just worked together. Yeah, because like he says, like, oh, you know, you've been with this other guy for like six months, you know, and so and at that point in the movie, you're like, so you. You guys aren't working together? Oh, why? And then you find out that he's been demoted and you go, oh, that's why. And then you see her in the flashback where you're like, okay, so what happened to her? And then when he ha when he's starting to have his breakdowns, she, he's, he just turns to her and he goes, no, no, I'll be fine. 
And she leaves, you know, she just lets him go. And I'm like, all right, we're following now Eckhart's character, right? Maybe yeah. we're following. And he's back at the precinct trying to explain how this telepathy and stuff is working. Yeah. And everyone looks at him like he's crazy. Because he's seen all the evidence at this halfway house. Right. Where, you know, Orion was living, where he'd had this massive, huge map of America with all these numbers in, which he's been writing down in this hypnotic state. And it turns out that certain ones are missing people all around the country. And so they're, they're linking him. And so his FBI buddies are like, well, he's definitely a killer then. And that's what Aaron Eckhart's like, no, because he hasn't killed any of these other people. Like, he sto- he gets stopped by a cop, doesn't he? That's right, yeah. And he fucking pulls a gun. Uh, like, Orion ends up pulling a gun on a cop. And you're like, oh, he's going to kill him. But in my mind, I'm like, well, no, he's not. He hasn't killed anybody in this entire movie other than killers. Profile the guy. He's straight out of Quantico. He's working a case just like we would. He's not kidnapping these little kids. He's chasing the guy that's doing the kidnapping. Look at the map. And... We kept seeing that black truck driving around. We had that horrible sequence where the mum and the son... Like, she's putting her fucking wash now in the middle of a fucking field. And the boy's swinging on a swing in the field with his mum. So he's not very far away. And somehow the killer sneaks up, grabs the kid, gets, gets the into the truck, truck and drives and... off before the mum's even... Yeah, I didn't buy that either. I was like, I was like, because it's a massive open field area. I was like, yeah, like... Yeah, I, I didn't buy it. I guess it uh, but there was also because but... it was also like going back to the beginning as well with um, uh, when Speck like he sat with him at the diner and then it cuts to him leaving the diner, and getting into his car, yeah. and driving away, mm. and then Ben Kingsley gets up in the back seat, and I'm like, wait yeah, a minute, I'm like, like we saw that car was isolated on its own in that car park. I was yeah. like, there's no way he got because. Speck got out of the diner first. Yeah, so but... Kingsley would have had to have fucking circled around and come inside the other door. It, so I was like, so I was like, I was another thing I did. Like, however, yeah. I'm pretty sure there was a line of dialogue somewhere when they go back to the diner and they're interviewing them, and he says that Speck complained to him about somebody harassing him or bothering him. Right. Like I said, I never really saw him. Harold came up complaining about the guy, but by the time I turned around, he was gone. Can you just? So I was like, okay, so we didn't really get to see it in real time, but while he was complaining, Ben Casey probably got in his car then. I was like, but still, still the guy on the the kid on the swing, I was like, nah. (laughs) It's like there was a couple of sequences, like you had the two kids on the bike biking, and then the big truck came down behind them, and then we saw the bike just smashed into the fucking into the ground, you know, or like you'd see things with kids where the kids would go missing, but the movie's not really explaining. It's trying to, you know, yeah, make you imagine that oh, these kids, these people are being killed, but not explaining how, and so then. Ultimately, like, fucking uh, Aaron Eckhart's character is sat in a traffic jam. He's been, like, they, they, they took his gun off him. Yeah. You know, and fucking... But he's been, you know, sent on leave again, sent home. Yeah, because obviously <laughs> he's fucking just going crazy. Um, and he looks over at this truck and he's got flashes or had flashes or whatever that the kid in the side of this truck that we see... Is held captive. Is the kidnapped kid that we're hearing about on the radio. And so he chases them all the way to the fun fair. And it turns out that the truck driver is actually maybe the granddad or the father of this boy because he takes it to his family. So Aaron Eckhart's like, oh, damn, I thought it was the bad guy and turns around and bang. O'Reilly's right in his face. Yeah. Because, well, I guess that's where he saw he would be. Yeah, I'm, I'm guessing. And the... But he had also led him on, a, pretty much led him enough clues to lead him all the way back to his place because they end up finding out that O'Reilly's F- 
ex-FBI, that he was part of the Icarus program. You have this whole sequence where he ends up pulling back the wallpaper of yeah, his, yeah, of his yeah, place yeah. and seeing the black hole of souls. I like that actor as well that um, he was talking to inside the halfway house. Like, he's a famous actor. I forgot to write his name down. But he was this one saying about, oh, you're going to be hunting like a 50-foot shark. Well, that that's it. Like, because the whole 50-foot shark is kind of like its own weird yeah. like subplot of the film. Yeah, yeah. Because when, when, when he goes to, to find him, he, he meets with another stranger when he's asking first about the, the circle with a line for it. Yeah. And he's just like, out of the blue, he's just like hunting a, you know, ever see a 50-foot shark? No. Well, that doesn't mean they don't exist. A 50-foot shark? You ever see one? No. Doesn't mean there aren't any. It's like, okay, that's weird. Yeah. And then when he's looking at, uh, when he finds the information thing and he's got all those newspaper clippings about himself. Yeah, yeah. Written down the side is a was an image of a shark with a hook yeah. and like, come find me, which yeah, of yeah, course yeah. leads him to come and find. So I'm like, so is Ben Kingsley now the, the you know, the, the 50 foot shark? Because the other guy that he talked to earlier explains what the 50 foot shark is. And that is essentially the uh, uh, the one who goes unnoticed, mm, who isn't yeah, seen, yeah. Um, and who is basically a serial killer who, by definition, has a pattern, whereas the, the shark doesn't. Yeah. So you can't predict him, you can't find him easily, because he has no, no pattern. And then when Orion is pulled over and almost arrested, yeah. he asks the cop, you know, when the cop asks what the blade's for, and he says it's to hunt... 50 the 50 foot, foot shark, shark. Yeah. so i'm like well is the shark then each of the people uh, each of the serial killers that he's killing yeah what exactly were you planning on hunting a 50 foot shark and so i'm like uh, well it's kind of like a moby dick thing where they're all where he's constantly hunting uh the white whale you know the evil yeah. whale yeah um, but that's our interpretation of it the movie just drops it in there and then doesn't really pay it off well it kind of does oh okay like right at the finale of the film well the two of them have uh, uh, um eckhart and and kingsley have gone to this farmhouse where the truck driver lives and they have come across a mass fucking shit ton of graves which i'm like that's not like it's not noticeable from fucking the air um, and this guy's been living there. We don't know if he's got a family. We don't know if he's got children. Maybe he lives on his own. The Why villain of the film is really so... Just Yeah, he's got this horrible room and shit. And um, he comes... The, 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 the truck driver comes home and they give chase in their car, don't they? He, yeah. he doesn't even stop. He sees them and drives off. I'm like, you didn't fucking see that, did you? Yeah, but they both crash. They both <laughs> crash in this spectacular crash in the desert. Um, which the, the kid that he's kidnapped is in the truck and still alive. Is it like he, he figures it? Is it the refrigerator burns? Yes, that's they right. From the cold of the inside of the the truck. So Carrie Ann Moss is miraculously turned up as well. I don't know how she realised that they're so fast as well. Yeah, she just got there so fast, and um, he tells her, "Look, the kids in the back of the truck." So she goes down there and fucking McAway Eckhart's character is chasing after the killer. Like I said, he's he's just a trucker, the the trucker killer, I suppose you kill it, call him. And he gets all the way up there and they, they, they start struggling on these rocks. They have a little bit of a scuffle. It's not even like a big fight or anything. It's just a bit of a scuffle to the point where McAway Eckhart's character has to get a stone. And he's so angry. He's so burnt out. He's so mad. He's so pushed. He's so 
control or whatever, he bashes in the killer's head. Which goes back to why he ended up getting demoted in the first place, because he was, you know, willing to break the rules and take justice into his own hands. Yeah. Um, very much so, like Orion's Orion. character. And Orion's And then Orion's there. wanting to hand it own to him. He's just like, oh, well, you'll carry on my work, but you need to stop me because you need well, to no, turn it off. <clears throat> it's the fact that Orion is just like, we've you've done it, we've you've killed this guy, you've killed the 50-foot, you know, shark. Yeah. Uh, but... Thomas is just like, but there's like thousands more yeah. out there just like it. Yeah. And that's when he just kind of, Orion has a bit of a breakdown at that realisation. Like, it was pretty good acting from Ben Kingsley. You, I mean, you know what? This you know? scene has the best acting in the whole movie. Yeah. And yeah. it's a shame that it comes right near, you know, hour 40 mark at the end of the film that we have some actual emotional, um, like... <laughs> I suppose it's a good payoff because it'd been building like that. You know, the movie well, yeah, misled us. But it's and... taken a freaking long time to get here. fucking done And honestly, this scene still very much so disappoints me. Yeah. Because even though we've got this whole Ahab and this whale and thing and then we, we realise, as we've slowly realised throughout the film, that Orion is suffering greatly yeah. with his inability to shut off his abilities, his, his gift, his power, whatever... Um, it's driven him crazy because he sees and smells and tastes and knows yeah. all of the victims. They are all living inside him. So he is tormented and the possibility of there being thousands more out there with hundreds of thousands more victims. He pleads to be killed, to die. And he yeah. also foresaw this event happening. Which is what we'd already seen, you know, them in the desert, him on his knees. We'd have you know. flash cuts to it throughout yeah. the film. Yeah. And, and... Thomas can't bring himself to do it, but when when Orion goes to a, attack or you know he's scuffling with him, that's when he pulls the knife again. Yeah, yeah Carrie Ann Moss from fucking really far away fires and kills Orion, and he's kind of happy. He's at peace, isn't he? He's very much so. Kind yeah. of passing. So tired. And I, the, the, it was quite a cool little transition, I thought, at the end, where, you know, it goes from them into the charcoal picture. Yeah, so it just goes to show, like, how much they had seen this event come to pass. Like, they may yeah. not have known exactly the details when they saw which, the future. Which was but... kind of cool for me, because by the end of it, I was hoping that the movie would be a little bit more than just a serial killer chasing serial killer chasing serial killers kind of thing. There was this... Project Icarus kind of sci-fi element in there. But it just... When the movie ended, I was like, oh, that's over. Well, yeah. Now, <laughs> like, it, well, in the original script, that's not the ending. Of course, they changed it. They made it a happy ending for the film. Oh, right. Whereas... And then Ben Kingsley skip off into the sunset. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a great ending. No, obviously, uh, Kingsley still dies here, but he literally passes the torch. Like, you, you now... Because throughout the film, mm. McElwee's been struggling with his own abilities, his own sixth sense... Yeah, you know, um, yeah. that uh, he now finally understands what his gift is uh, and in the original script would continue to do the work of Orion mm, uh, by yeah. hunting down and killing serial killers because that was in his nature and which then... is what Orion saw uh, throughout the news and everything else that led him to find him because he felt like they were the same but but, but does that make Orion the 50 foot shark if he's killing I, serial they, they killers? are the sharks yeah the 50 foot sharks are the, the serial killer hunters 
I believe. Right, yeah, the Predator hunting the Predators. Yeah, and of course you've never seen one, but doesn't mean they don't exist. True. But yeah, yeah I mean, that's you know they operate from the shadows and they don't have a pattern and all that. So I was like, I like the original script ending. I think the film's ending sucks. Mm. Uh, and uh, I thought the best bit of acting came at the very end of the film as well. So it's a bit a bit of a mess for me. Yeah. Uh, but that's one thing you, you know, we've kind of mentioned is like the, the director going into this film also said in his own DVD commentary that he did not want to make a serial killer genre movie. Right, uh, right, okay. By also making a serial killer genre movie. But he wanted it to be about something much more deeper, something a bit more about the human condition, the human psyche, uh, you know, within this sort of situation. And I think he failed spectacularly (laughs) at doing that. I was going to say, kind of does. Not great, but kind of. Like, you know, it's one of these films where I'm just like, it... it, uh, it, it reminds you of like Seven yeah. and Zodiac and Silence uh, of the Lambs. Yeah. But then when you instantly you compare this film to any of those, it's... like it just it, it drops down. And, yeah. and it mainly comes down to the character depth or character development. Uh, I think the actors in this do a good enough job for the most part, but the character depth is so shallow and it's it doesn't have any emotional weight to it, so any complexities that these characters may have, yeah. it's not there because for me the film is so well shot, it's so well lit with some great great set design that it's it's a bit flashy, you yeah. Know, but the substance just isn't quite there, and so it, yeah, it's it, like the scene before was great, but once you move to the next scene, you're like, what happened? <laughs> yeah, it is honestly. It's like I I I really feel like I'm gonna forget the title of this film by Kinda. the time we finish today. <laughs> But Ian, did you have any favourite scenes from the film? I, I, I think I had a couple. I mean, I, I liked the sequences with Ben Kingsley. I suppose, like when he was doing that stuff in the room, you know, with the hypnotist stuff, and then he just starts writing. That was just kind of cool. Maybe it's just Ben Kingsley. He's just really good. That watching him in those sequences, I bought the whole Project Icarus stuff. And the moment I saw this stuff, I was like, all oh, right, there's a whole governmental plot that will come in at some point and he's got this ability to follow people or see him. And then the movie tries to explain it to me and I, I didn't like that. I just, what I got from Ben Kingsley in this room was enough. Now it's trying to flash me with pink images and flashes to the future. I'm like, all right, maybe you, you, you've had your time. Like the, like the other favourite sequences where him and... Uh, McElway are driving in the car and Orion's explaining everything to him about what he's doing and why he's been doing it and why he can't turn it off and why he needs McElway. And I'm like, ah, finally movie, you're finally giving me great acting, this moment, you know, same as as we go into the ending as they're having this confrontation against each other on this desert cliff. I'm like, yes, finally, you've got some great acting because at the end of the day, that's what we want from a good movie is good acting it gets diluted with all these multiple layers and rewrites and character development and yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't really have very many favorite scenes from this film. Uh, I will say the intro, the first sort of 11 minutes, right up until it cuts to the FBI building, Yeah. you know, from the milk carton, the missing person to the diner, to the, the, the weird camera angle of the feet coming in. I did like that. Yeah. The weird one. Yeah. To the confrontation at the diner with the showing of the pictures to him appearing in the back of the car, to the car driving off into the night. I was like, 
all right, I'm kind of intrigued. Like, I want to see what, what goes on. And as the film develops, like, I, the strength of that opening carries you at least to the midpoint. Yeah. And then that's when things start to falter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I guess for favorite scenes, I, I would say the production design was fantastic. The All of the charcoal drawings, you know, the crime scene photos, mm -hmm. the evidence room filled with photos and items, yeah. you know, the overall stylish nature of the film. You know, and the off-kilter camera work. You know, not just the feet entering, but, like, I like the shot of Thomas opening the information case. You know, the way the camera sort of uh, spins and, yeah. and angles itself. Yeah. I was like, that's the sort of camera work that this film has throughout. And I was like, it's very visually arresting to look at in terms of the montages, the edits, uh, and the camera angles. It's very, very interesting. More interesting, I think, than the characters in the film. Yeah. Uh, so it, it was almost distracting uh, in a way. Um, but yeah, like no... Other than the intro, there was no standout scene, um, which is a bit of a shame, really. Maybe I think it's because the whole film remains pretty consistent yeah, in, in itself yeah, that nothing, yeah. nothing stands nothing out. Nothing jumps out, yeah. No. Ian, do you recommend the film? I don't. Really? Um, I want to. I mean, I'm not going to tell people to never watch it. It's not the worst movie I've ever seen, but it's certainly nowhere near even good. You know, average, I suppose. Maybe I'm missing something. Maybe somebody will watch it and go, oh my God, you, you missed out all these layers and things like that and how the character development. Yeah, that's that's other people's view. But for me, uh, you know, Aaron, Eck Aaron Eckhart's good. Ben Kingsley's good. Uh, Carrie Ann Moss is good. A lot of the actors are good, but then... When you see that and, you know, when somebody explains to you about developmental hell that a story goes through, you realise, actually, these people are just doing their job. So they're being paid. So they are going to be really good. The cat, the director, yeah, great camera work. Some really good, cool ideas to kind of hook you in. But there's just something missing from the core of this movie to not hook you enough to go, fuck, yeah, everybody needs to watch Suspect Zero. Everybody needs to... How has people been sleeping on this movie? It's one of the greatest movies... It's not even that. By the end of the movie, like I said, by the end of this review, you're just kind of like, click, next. Yeah, it's very forgettable. <laughs> Which is why, I'm going to surprise, I'm actually going to give this film a low, a low recommendation. It's kind of the lowest recommendation yeah, yeah, yeah. I can give that is still a recommendation. We're not telling you not to. No, no. Well, I'm actually just... going to tell you to kind of. Kind of. <laughs> it's not awful, you know? And I, I think this film is... Actually very underrated uh, and at least worth a watch just for how stylistically strong the visuals are in this serial killer thriller. The plot was fairly easy to follow. It had an okay pace and, well, Ben Kingsley was fascinating to watch as he delivered such intensity in his scenes. He showed lots of subtleties in his tortured inability to control his second sight. Aaron Eckhart, uh, I think he's always likeable, and he portrayed the dedicated detective role well, alongside Carrie Ann Moss, who had very little to do in the film. Mm -hmm. uh, the chemistry between the two felt flat, uh, with very little depth to the relationship, due in part uh, to too many uh, script changes and production issues. In part, for me, the film also felt emotionally flat. 
There wasn't quite enough substance to it, no real urgency, just enough intrigue to carry you on to the end where the story disappoints in its conclusion. It didn't feel satisfying at all. You know, no emotional payoff or anything to contemplate uh, in a film where the director wanted to explore something deeper in a serial killer genre film. So, yeah, you know, a kind of low recommendation. Uh, the music was suitably creepy and eerie. It was very dreamlike in parts, and it matched the multiple montages in the film uh, with great effect. So, yeah, strong production design, great visuals, uh, interesting characters, uh, but lackluster ending. So uh, it's definitely one of those that's maybe worth a watch with my lowest recommendation. Your number is up. <laughs> Thanks for watching Off The Shelf Reviews. Help me turn it off. You're gonna help.